0: Entering the Freedom Hut.
1: Team Buck, we are about to kick off some Labor Day madness by getting to all the latest news. We've got Judge Janine also joining to talk about her book. It's going to be a fantastic show here. Get your weekend started the right way coming up in just a moment. Buck Sexton. Mission: Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America, you're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Think like I could speak for three hours without a phone call? Try doing that sometime. It is
2: Buck Sexton.
1: Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. The way to get this party started for the weekend. Join me here to talk about all of the things, all the things that are going on. Uh, Oh, gosh. Hurricane Dorian bearing down on Florida right now. Thoughts and and prayers down to the folks in Florida. Hopefully everyone's going to be going to be okay. It looks like it's uh, uh, possible category four. Oh, my. Well you know Florida's been through this before so they they know the drill but anytime mother nature unleashes like this things can be very very precarious so I uh, hope everyone down there is going to be all right if they tell you to evac if you're hearing this I know we've got a, a lot of we got a lot of stations a lot of listeners in Florida please please uh, listen listen to the folks that know what they're doing or at least make sure you're just make sure you're safe all right that's the most uh, important thing that I could ask for for any of you So we have the day after the uh, the IG report where we were finally able to find out that uh, James Comey is, in fact, very much the um, bureaucratic, loathsome, backstabbing, coup plotting person that we thought he was. And he will soon be someone that we don't hear about much more at all, because all along. We were told that uh, Comey did exactly what he did because he's such a good person. But really, it was that he was just useful to the, uh, the left. Byron York had a great piece on this, uh, talking about the Inspector General report. And the, the, he says it pretty much on the title. His new report details Comey planned to ambush Trump with Moscow sex allegations. And this is how it goes. A just-released Justice Department IG report provides new details on a January 2017 plan by then-FBI Director James Comey, top bureau officials, and the nation's intelligence chiefs to spring a scandalous allegation on President-elect Trump, quickly record his reaction, use a prearranged secure video conference to discuss the information, and fit it all into the FBI's ongoing but unknown to Trump... Crossfire hurricane investigation. The allegation came from the Steele dossier, the collection of unverified tales about Trump and Russia compiled by former British spy Christopher Steele. The story was that in a mosque. Okay, we know about all that stuff. Uh, the new inspector general's report shows that Comey and other top officials placed great credibility in the allegation which even Steele himself reportedly had grave doubts about. Folks, this was... They didn't brief... This never made sense to me, okay? This never added up. They didn't brief Trump on the dossier because they wanted him to have a heads-up. They didn't... There was no need to do that. No need for the intelligence. All all of D.C. journalists had this thing. They didn't brief him as a heads-up. They briefed him so it would become a news story. But also... I think that was the secondary option they were going for. They briefed him because they wanted to see if they could rattle him. The FBI does this. You can read some of these books. People always ask me, Buck, you're in the CIA. Can you tell when someone's lying? And I say, can neither confirm nor deny. Especially if I'm like out with a bunch of friends. Talking to a lady, you know, hey, can you tell if I'm lying? Of course I can. Secretly, I can't, but still fun to tell people that one of the things you'll learn, though, if you read these books about FBI, um, FBI interrogation or just interrogation in general is you often have someone run through a story, run through a story. And then you will insert a detail in the story that only they could know in an effort to uh, see what they if they react to that detail strangely. Well, then, you know, they, they knew something they weren't supposed to. And that's how you hone in. Right? There, there's these different tricks. There are different tactics. Comey presented this to Trump to to gauge his reaction, thinking, this is according to Byron York here, Byron York is one of the best, most squared away reporters in D.C. Thinking that Comey might be able to see, oh my gosh, Trump, you know, he flinched on that or, or there was a moment where he clearly was bothered by this, therefore... It's true, and we need to be very concerned about this. Right? That's all. That's all real, folks. That's all there. And I, I do, I do believe that a part of this whole cabal—the Comey, McCabe, Brennan, Clapper crew—that was trying to take down Trump. I think that the further into it they got, the further they would have to go because once they had made these initial steps, once they you know, this is like uh, like Omar from The Wire says, you come at the king, you best not miss, right? Well, they they were coming at the king numerous times here by going after Trump. And once they had made these decisions to open the FISA on Carter Page, open Crossfire Hurricane on, on George Papadopoulos, n- now they've got a president to take down. And if they can't take him down through these investigations, oh, what are they going to do? Exactly what Comey did kick the ball to a special counsel and hope the special counsel would succeed where Comey had failed. But his purpose was clear all along. And and now more than ever, we can see that he had set an ambush for the president of the United States. He was trying to figure out just what his reaction was going to be when he was presented with these uh, these different crazy... I mean, these allegations are insane. The Russian showers stuff, and a lot of it has been disproven. I, I would have... If I had, like, gone around to a CIA supervisor back in the day when I was working there, and I said, hey, somebody at, like, Yahoo News sent me this uh, dossier. as a friend of mine. And I, I thought maybe, you know, we'd, we'd take a look at it. And I, I think the president's a traitor because of what it says. I probably would have been frog marched out of there in handcuffs. I probably would have been told that, you know, this was not this was not the career path for me. And yet here we are. Um, This is where we finally see that James Comey. Is exactly what I've been saying all along. The sanctimonious bureaucrat. In fact, Wall Street Journal had a good headline on him. Jim Comey's higher virtue. The righteous former FBI director thinks the rules don't apply to him. That's that's just true. This is a fact now. This is a fact. I like Kim Strassel's take on this, though. Sneaky, leaky James Comey. The inspector general takes apart the former FBI director's excuses for his actions. And this is how Kim lays into this. Because there's all these different, all these different ways in which Comey now has been exposed and they're not going to be able to plug all these holes in the story. So you see that this guy was he, the FBI went rogue, folks. This should this should be very frightening to all of us. that the FBI director went rogue against the president of the United States and suffered no consequences for it other than getting fired by that president. No criminal consequences. You know, the Democrats think that he's some kind of a hero. Here's what Kim Strassel writes. Of all the tall tales James Comey has told, none compare to the line he fed President Trump at their infamous January 2017 dinner. As recounted in the former Federal Bureau of Investigation Director's memo about that that evening, quote, I said I don't do sneaky things, I don't leak, I don't do weasel moves. The Justice Department's Inspector General begs to differ. In a new report about Mr. Comey's handling of those memos, Michael Horowitz demonstrates that Mr. Comey in 2017 was consistently leaky and sneaky. The report refutes any claim that the then director was justified in taking these actions. He repeatedly and knowingly broke the rules. For more than two years, we've heard Mr. Comey's characterization of his actions popularized by an adoring media. He felt compelled to memorialize his private discussion with the president to protect the FBI. And, quote, Kim gets it. This was a guy who was a, a largely a media creation. Now, this this James Comey was the last best hope of stopping Trump because they always think the media believe the Democrats are are devout in their belief that Trump is a rogue elephant, that Trump is somebody who we cannot ever trust. And all of a sudden, Kim Strassel comes along and she says. I'm sorry, all, all of a sudden the Inspector General, rather, comes along and says, hold on a minute, uh, that's just all crap. James Comey was doing things for James Comey and doing it under the auspices of trying to help out and, and save the country. You know, you, there, this, if you had, and I, I haven't said this to you in a while, if you had a Democrat president, particularly Obama, but any Democrat president, facing what we already know was done by the federal government heads that were there that he inherited that were there before he took office the media would say that we were on the brink they would really be reporting that we were on the brink of civil war that a coup had just been averted that there needs to be a crackdown on the republican party and republican media outlets and all this stuff they would be hair on fire losing their minds over this but because they like that someone that, that a number of, of individuals try to take extra judicial, extra legal action against the president of the United States, use their offices to take them down. It's like this was all fine and normal. There was nothing fine and normal about this. And you you can't make this stuff up. I never would have believed. I never would have thought that it was possible that we'd be sitting here. You know, let's say we go back a few years, right when Trump's in the primary, that we would hear that there were FISA warrants opened on Trump associates and and investigations. The FBI director was part of a plot that someone leaked a phone call with General Flynn. And then there'd be a two year special counsel when they know they know all along there's no Russia collusion. They just keep grinding on and hoping they can get people on different petty prosecutions. If I had told you all this, if I had written the screenplay, you'd say this is crazy. This is the country we are living in right now. And they think that we're crazy because we have a problem with it. They think that we're the ones that really need to to get examined by a a medical professional because we don't think that Trump is is Hitler-esque, that Trump is some kind of fascist that's going to destroy america and then anything is justified in stopping him according to comey and all the rest anything that would work you should do using the government apparatus you either remove him with the 25th amendment you start a criminal case against him with a special counsel and they never they never have the goods they tell us that trump is, is such a buffoon is such an imbecile and yet they have laid trap after trap for him and he hasn't fallen in. And the only thing that he did that was a, that was a self inflicted wound on all this was going on Lester Holt show on uh, ABC and saying, you know, that, why he fired Comey. That was that was a bad move. But you know, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And we got Labor Day in our sights, my friends. A nice long weekend. Last weekend of summer. Get your uh, get out your white shoes, right? You can't is it, you can't wear white shoes after Labor Day. Isn't that the thing, right? No white anything after. No white anything. I'm still gonna wear my white jeans. My white jeans look good. I don't know white jeans, but the '80s called. They want their clothing back. Yeah, I like. I like the uh, the acid washed look. You know, that's how I and tie dyed too. All these good things. All right, team. We got so much more coming up your way. So uh, stick right around. We'll be back. Is the president feeling that he and the pressure from within his own party?
3: Sure. Look, I'm actually more concerned because this is not a man who then retreats very easily. What he has done is he's pursued a policy of protectionism. And one of the things we know if we look at the World War II example is that protectionism and isolationism in the U.S. context does not work. And one of the ways that we got ourselves out of the slump of protectionism in the 1940s was that we entered World War II. And so I think that the other thing we should begin to watch is the continued military posturing towards all of these countries Mm. because one of the old school american rescue missions is get us into a war because that is often seen as another driver of the economy and trump wants one big key thing under his belt he either wants his wall he wants to ride out on the glory of the economy and if he can't have that i think he is absolutely willing to start a physical war in order to do
1: msnbc puts crazy people on air all the time now i mean this is just this is lunacy uh maybe if the economy isn't so hot trump's just gonna start he's gonna start a huge massive war because that's a way to get us out of a slump R- really believes that i mean this is the, the problem you have right now with the democrats is that they can't stand uh they can't stand up and criticize trump's record and not sound pretty foolish on a lot of things particularly on the economy and so what they do is they, they create, and this is what they're doing, an alternate universe of, well, this thing could happen in the future. We don't know. But because this thing could happen in the future and then, you know, blah, blah, Trump is a racist, Trump is a white nationalist, vote for the Democrat. Well, can't we? I thought we were supposed to judge a politician based upon how he or she does in the role. How do they utilize, how do they wield the powers they're given by we, the people? That was always my, that was my impression. I, I could be off here. I could be a bit, a bit wrong. But we, the people, look to politicians to enact policies that they say they're going to do. And, and we are not supposed to judge them on the possibility of what other people say might happen in the future. And, and just the, the implication here that Trump is such a moral monster You know, I really think that liberals believe that Trump like doesn't love his kids. You know, he doesn't love his family, that that Trump is is incapable of human emotion, that he's actually the worst person in the world. To borrow from somebody who is almost the worst person in the world, Keith Olbermann, Uh, that's how they think about him. They don't even start from a place of of, you know, shared humanity with Trump. They think that Trump is is some some kind of alien life form incapable of thinking about his fellow human beings the way all the rest of us do. And they don't take into account the fact that he's actually been a good president. I mean, I've got problems with him. I think there's stuff he does that that I don't like. I don't like what he says all the time, but I try to focus on the positive because the stuff that I don't like does not affect my life, does not affect the future of this country in a negative way. I can take the imperfections if I get results, and Trump is delivering results. It's not perfect. Yeah, and the wall hasn't been built, although it is getting built, folks. It is getting built. It's happened. There is, there is building going on. But, you know, the wall hasn't been built yet. Uh, he hasn't won on the trade war yet. He hasn't turned around Kim Jong-un and North Korea from its nuclear, uh, further nuclear ambitions, I should say. There's a lot of work that still needs to be done, but. What is it about the country right now that I, that we should be so desperate to change? Anyway, this is going to be a, a recurring conversation, but just be on the lookout really just for the amusement of it, for how Lib's primary arguments against Trump these days, other than just the character defects and the, the flaw, the character flaws, they say that he has and all that Lib's primary arguments against Trump are usually rooted in some version of. Well, something really bad could happen, and then it would be Trump's fault. This is not a compelling argument, but then again, they got Joe Biden running around, and they've got to constantly clean up the mess he leaves behind. The Democrat media is just following Biden around with a shovel all the time, trying to take care of all the stuff he leaves behind. It's bad news. This is not the first controversial issue that
4: uh, he took uh, what many consider extraordinary action, the first one being the handling of the Clinton uh, email investigation. And so in this case, Jim, and in both cases, I will say having worked with him, and uh, I'm a friend of his and admirer of him, I I think he did what he thought was the right thing. I don't take issue with what the Department of Justice Inspector General said. Uh, Yeah, it it violated the uh, standard protocols and procedures of the FBI. Uh, I don't think there's a rule book though for this uh, extraordinary situation involving potential I emphasize potential criminality of of a president. And so Jim did what he thought was the right thing to do for the country. Now, one man's leaker is uh, another Another man's man's whistleblower. whistleblower. Exactly. And in this case, I think he was whistleblowing to the public.
1: That's such crap. It's such a lie. There are established procedures for whistleblowing, and Comey knows them well. If James Comey can't be held as the FBI director, if he cannot be held to the standard of obeying the rules, who can? Why should anyone? Whistleblowing about what? His own firing? There was nothing illicit in his firing. The president had a constitutional right as commander chief to fire The FBI director, he can do that. People really have gotten sold this this bill of nonsense where, you know, just because we like to think of the DOJ as having some independence in its functioning. It's still a part of the executive branch and the FBI is still a part of the DOJ in the executive branch. The buck stops. Well, as we know, the buck never stops, but the buck stops with the president. What was the whistleblowing? It was the firing of James Comey. That's what... Does anyone need to hear a whistle because of that? Because I certainly don't. I certainly don't have any concerns about James Comey's firing. He should have been fired. Notice how Clapper's trying to uh, make all of that seem like it's fine, too. Clapper's trying to take the position that, you know, it's no big deal that James Comey broke these rules and regulations because he thought he really had to. I... uh, Everybody who breaks rules and regulations at the time thinks they've got a good reason or thinks that it's really necessary for whatever reason. Doesn't make it OK, but it's, it's even more than the breaking of the rules. It's the way that Comey went strutting around like a six foot eight peacock. About how moral and ethical and good he was and how terrible Trump was. I mean, he's just not he's he's really a, a an unlikable character because he's trying so very hard to tell you that what you see in front of you is not really James Comey that you're just being fooled that you you don't understand that meanwhile for the rest of us no I think James Comey is a a weirdo who lacks self-awareness um, you know this is oh by the way you've got Benjamin Wittes, another person uh, another person giving it it just a delusional take on what happened with Comey Uh, play clip five if others did the same thing the fbi would lose its credibility in a heartbeat is that not a fair critique
4: uh... well so i think under normal circumstances it might be but let's consider what the sensitive information that the ig is referring to there. Mm-hmm. the sensitive information is that the president of the united states tried to shut down an investigation of his national security advisor and that is the information that the ig is critiquing uh... Comey for making public and so i think you have to ask the question Once you've been fired, you are now at this point, you're not just the former director of the FBI. You're also a witness to, you know, really gross misconduct that may be criminal. So what are you? Is is the I.G. really saying? And I think, by the way, that he is really saying that if you are a law enforcement officer who's a witness to potentially criminal activity, you got to shut up.
1: Yeah, that's what he's saying. That's why James Comey took home memos, pretended they were like diary entries he's having a sit down with the president as the FBI director and he's acting like it's just yeah it's just you know me I could have been writing about gardening but I was writing about meetings with the President of the United States and putting it in his safe at home and the reason that he didn't go through official channels this is a guy who would know all the official channels what he wouldn't have been protected no he wanted he wanted to settle a score he wanted to take Trump down. This was part of the deep state coup. Let's just be clear about that. This was all a part of what was going on, which was these with all these institutionalists, people that have been working in government for 20 or 30 years. Trump comes along. They don't like him. They don't like his approach. They don't like that. He tells the truth about how government is really lethargic, is really incompetent, should be a lot smaller, should be handled very differently. At the federal level, this—that's all just true. They don't like that, though. They—they—they get—they uh, take that a little bit personally. So what—what what ends up happening? They try to find ways to remove him. Now, I do think that some—I think that Brennan, for example, is crazy enough to believe that Trump really is a threat to the United States. I, I think Brennan is that much of a wacko, which really just speaks to how crazy he is. Right. I, I, it does speak to just what a what a completely not individual he is. But Comey, what you see is something different with Comey. It was all about what was done to James Comey. That was the issue. That was the problem. The entire country had to marinate in the personal, professional, exquisite agony of James Comey. Because he was supposed to be FBI director for whatever it was, another six years or eight years or you you name it. He was the one who was supposed to continue in that privileged position with all of his power and all the all the trappings of office. And remember, he's a prosecutor. He's not. I, I just think that makes it makes so much more sense. You stop thinking about Comey as an FBI guy and start thinking about him as a sanctimonious power mad lawyer, a solipsistic power mad lawyer and prosecutor and then it all of a sudden comes together you go oh okay I know who this guy is I know who he is I know what his deal is so it's amazing to see people running around acting like this isn't yet another repudiation of a deep state hashtag resistance hero that's what Comey was supposed to be that's what we were told he was a deep state hero of the resistance and it turns out that you know, he he was really just operating at a very petty, vindictive level with no real respect for the office of the presidency. Here, here's another thing. Does anyone think that James Comey, had he not been fired, would have gone to the press about the Flynn matter? Does anyone think that James Comey would have leaked these memos had he not been fired? Well, of course not. Right. Comey was willing to go along, folks. This is what I mean by an institutionalist. People who think that these very powerful government agencies are their own little fiefdoms. And as long as they get to run them, they'll work with whoever's you know, elected by the people. But they better run their own shop. They better be calling the shots over at CIA and FBI and you name it. And the bureaucrats don't like when their toys are taken away and they get angry and then they want to get even. And that's exactly what happened with Comey. It wasn't about how egregious Trump was. It was about one individual getting fired who was a political infighter and bureaucrat extreme. And he really thought that maybe he would be a hero to the other side. Imagine what the future is. If he could, if he could take Trump out of office, if he could have ruined, you know, ended the Trump presidency. Think about what his prospects would be going for. He'd be FBI director for a, a Democrat president for a life as far as they're concerned with the greatest thing he's ever done as it is he's gotten a seven-figure book advance he's given probably 150 200 thousand dollar speeches he to be a very wealthy guy so we don't have to cry any big tears for big James Comey he's gonna be just fine folks it's the country and the FBI that he has done damage to the FBI may never really recover from what Comey has done to its credibility and its sense of of impartiality. They've been ripping us off for billions and billions of dollars like uh, like babies. Obama was ripped worse than anybody. Uh, Bush and every, everyone of Clinton. Nobody did anything about it, and I am. I'm doing what had to be done. I mean, I'm doing there. I'm doing North Korea. I was given a lot of bad, right. bad hands, and I'm taking them, and I'm going to win with them. Every, we're going to win with every one of them. But we're dealing with China. They really want to make a deal, and the reason they want to make a deal is they've lost millions and millions of jobs. They're losing Thousands of companies are leaving China. their chain is being broken, and uh, we'll see what happens. But I will tell you I think I think they want to make a deal. I sort of think they have to make a deal, and we'll see what happens. Trump is correct when he says that the Chinese have been ripping us off, and that previous administrations were willing to just say, "Oh, I guess we're just going to keep getting ripped off. You know, no backbone, no willingness to fight and do what is necessary you know we, we often hear people say that they just want leadership you know oh we need to have leaders who will do the right thing even if they pay a political price on China that is what Trump is doing and all he gets is grief for it all that ever happens is people say oh he's going to run the economy into the ground and he's, the, the trade deal is never going to happen and this is all just craziness from Trump what's interesting is that you have Uh, An an editorial today written by Chen Guangcheng, who's a member of the, uh, well, he's at a research institute, and he's a Chinese dissident who is pretty well known, and here's what he said, or here's what he writes. As the world watches President Trump wage a protracted trade war with China, many people are scratching their heads wondering if he knows what he's doing when it comes to my home country. Trump is regularly criticized for being unpredictable and erratic. But as someone who has spent years with the knife edge of the Chinese Communist Party bearing down on my throat for human rights work, I know that the president is on to something. Tariffs and economic threats may be blunt tools, but they are the kind of aggressive tactics necessary to get the attention of the Chinese Communist Party, which only respects power and money. It's not just about winning as the president sometimes puts it, it's not simply about trade, it's about justice and doing what's right for ordinary Chinese and American people. This is one of the most famous Chinese dissidents in the world, folks, all right? This is what he's this is what he is writing about President Trump. You don't you don't hear a lot of the experts on CNN talking about this, do you? Quote, "Presidents before Trump naively believed that China would abide by international standards of behavior." But that path proved mistaken, and Beijing ignored Western pressure on matters from human rights to widespread uh, widespread theft of intellectual property. Trump, whatever his flaws, grasps this reality. I'm just wondering, who does does this top Chinese dissident sound a bit like here? Whatever his flaws, he gets the basic, foundational, fundamental reality of our relationship with China. I don't know, he kind of sounds like... Hopefully your favorite radio host. I mean, maybe I'm your number two or three, but I'm making my way up the ranks to number one. Just give me some time. Sounds a little bit like yours truly. And that's what matters so much here. This is what people often forget when they say, oh, Trump doesn't have the the knowledge or the wisdom to do this job or whatever. Trump has a gut understanding of who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. You know, as I've been saying, he's got street smarts. And when you've got street smarts, you're less likely to have somebody come up and pick your pocket. And that's what the Chinese have been doing to America for a long time. And, you know, George W. Bush, hate to break it to everybody, he wasn't some expert on China. He wasn't walking around speaking Mandarin and talking about all the time he had spent reading, you know, trade prospectuses and stuff. No way. Obama, oh, please. We're talking about this. China, we're going to do this other thing. We're going to pumper. Uh, but uh, but, you know you know obama a lot of just uh you know, you know that's sort of the, the up talking uh the you know the wow well, we're gonna do this thing and we're doing another thing, and it's like he didn't know anything about china either he didn't know anything about china either uh, we're gonna do this place and we're gonna keep letting china rip us off and we're gonna do this other thing. You sit here, you're like, okay, well, someone explain to me what we're supposed to do. when we have presidents who are being held to the standard now of if you're not an expert on China, you can't have any thoughts on China. None of them are experts on China. It's a huge country. It's very complicated. Just learning the language is life's work if you're not a native speaker. So, you know, I I just think that the uh, anti-Trump consensus on all things China related is completely absurd. It's completely absurd Um, because, yeah, I mean, it's risky. There's downside. He might not work and everything else. But people are acting like he never should have done this in the first place. What's the what is their alternative? The plan B is suffer in silence. And Chen Guangcheng is like, that's a bad idea with the Chinese Communist Party because they will just keep on turning you upside down and wringing out your pockets. So. There's other concerns as well, of course. I meant to get this yesterday. Daniel Hoffman, my, my uh, former Intel brother here, he's talking about uh, some flashpoints that we need to keep an eye on, like the South China Sea.
4: In the United States has, has, uh, has operated about six of these freedom of navigation operations. And it's designed just for that, to ensure that China doesn't exercise dominance over the South China Sea. It's important for for international commerce, for the region and, and beyond. I would also add, though, that the, the timing is probably not coincidental. Amidst a trade war with China and China's espionage and theft of intellectual property, China's also trying to suppress the democratic movement in Hong Kong, and they have accused without any evidence those Hong Kong protesters of being supported by the United States. It probably suits China to try to conflate this exaggerated, uh, unreal U.S. military threat with the real threat, which are our ideas uh, and principles enshrined in the Constitution and Bill of Rights, like liberty, freedom, and democracy, which are inspiring uh, those those protesters, those brave protesters in Hong Kong.
1: Just got to remind all of, our, all of us that uh, there's real national security concerns from China as well, not just from the, th- the theft of military and, and uh, industrial trade secrets, but There's a Chinese strategy of building out into the South China Sea, of establishing uh, domains of not just influence, but dominance. And that's how countries, when they start brushing up against each other, there's incidents. And this is how you have. You have small wars and small wars can lead to big wars. So I don't think we're we're about to go toe to toe with China anytime soon, but. Keep in mind that usually people don't sit around saying, how do we start a huge, costly and terrible war? They tend to happen anyway.
2: You know, sadly, it it is something that is incredibly infuriating, but not surprising after the vile way in which Trump responded to to uh, to Hurricane Maria two years ago. it, It shouldn't surprise us. Look, the hurricane is now headed to Florida, which, as you mentioned, it has nine Trump properties. It also has 29 electoral votes versus Puerto Rico, where there are certainly 3 million American citizens, which I think this president forgets conveniently, but they are Hispanic, they speak Spanish, and clearly zero electoral votes. And so I think that there is not a coincidence in terms of the difference in which this president has treated the American citizens living in Puerto Rico since two years ago uh, with with Hurricane Maria and then now when he blamed the island for being in the path of the hurricane in the first place versus how he is treating Florida And showing compassion and showing sympathy, which is exactly how he should act. But he should act that way towards all American citizens, including ones that live uh, in Puerto Rico and, frankly, in other territories. And he has been unable to do that.
1: CNN narrative creation and action. There you go. Okay, well, maybe Trump is doing everything he can to try to help Florida prepare for what looks like could be a pretty nasty hurricane But the real problem is that he wasn't that he wasn't that uh, nice and and receptive and all this other stuff about the the hurricane that hit Puerto Rico. You know, we've given and Trump says this give tens of billions of dollars to Puerto Rico, it's an island. It's hard to get stuff there. And it has it has the internal infrastructure in many places of a developing country. It does not have the roads and electrical grid and uh, structures with the same survivability as you have in Florida. Okay, so I, I wish we could stop pretending like this is the whole the whole narrative is that Puerto Rico is Trump's Katrina. That's what they're always trying to get to. And I spoke to the I think he now resigned, but I spoke to the governor of Puerto Rico about this. He said the federal government's given us a ton of money. The problem is we can't even spend it fast enough because we can't get the stuff to places where it needs to go because we don't have the internal. They didn't have the internal infrastructure. Roads had been washed away. Power lines were down. Generators were out. So we can talk all day about but this is there was never going to be enough money for Puerto Rico with Trump as president. Right. That's always going to be the story. doesn't matter. Trump could say, I'll give you eleven trillion dollars and you would still have lib saying well it's he's not spending it fast enough because he doesn't love Puerto Rico enough he's not showing them enough uh not giving them enough attention look uh, my you know thoughts and prayers go to the people of Florida of the Caribbean right now i don't know if Puerto Rico's in i don't think it's in the uh mark is Puerto Rico in the path of this one it's not right
0: they were originally but they dodged the brunt of oh, it
1: oh they did okay yeah uh, but, you know, it looks like Florida might, might get hit pretty hard. I got a lot of fr- friends in Florida. I know we have a lot of Team Buck in Florida. And just all the residents of of the state, we we send them our, our thoughts and prayers and hope that hopefully this thing just is, is kind of a non-event when it makes landfall in Florida, It'll just be a lot of rain and everybody will have to just hunker down for a little bit. But, I, you know, you, you, just, you just don't know until it, it finally comes about. But I would note that there was a... Uh, I was, I think, a British member of parliament who just openly said that uh, it was a good thing that this was heading for. Or she was she was hoping that it would hit Mar-a-Lago. She was hoping that it would be a an opportunity um, for damage to be done to a president, to presidential property. So it's it's very frustrating. Uh, It's very frustrating when you see this. And when you hear people are just saying insane thing, here I'm trying to find. Here you go, David Levitt, who is a blue check journo, uh, one of the blue check journo mafia online. Here he wrote, "Trump, climate change is a hoax. Earth, here's a Category Four hurricane with 130 mile per hour winds aimed at Mar-a-Lago." With my compliments. Okay, let's let's take a look at this for a second, shall we? Is anyone so stupid that they think that every hurricane is caused by climate change? Because we've had hurricanes long before there was such a thing as climate change based on carbon emissions from human activity. So how do you know this hurricane comes from climate change? How could anyone say with a straight face, yeah, that's what the... just, but, but idiocy. Idiocy. They, they view this as an opportunity to push this uh, ag- agenda, this, this climate change nonsense... And the stuff they say is just, it's, it's indefensible. It's absurd. Completely and utterly absurd. But this is what we're up against. So I keep saying it. By the way, one, one quick note. Um, I don't know how many of you even remember this. But a long time ago, when I was doing the show in New York, so pre-DC, I said, you watch, they will, uh, the, the libs, to get, this, to get at this administration... The Libs will Lib journos will start burning sources, which is a a cardinal sin for anybody that considers themselves a a true journalist. But I I said they will they'll be they'll do this if it means that they can uh, get Trump or somebody near Trump. And in fact, I think I've I've been saying this all along. Journos will be willing to uh create relationships with sources around Trump only to turn on that source when the time is right and get that person humiliated and fired because uh, they view themselves as more important to the resistance than they are as a journalist. Well, it looks like that may, I can't say it's for sure, may have happened here with uh, Trump's personal assistant getting fired, allegedly or pushed out, asked asked to resign. If we're going to be technical, for allegedly giving out details, they're saying quote intimate details about the first family to a reporter, but the reporter at the Washington Post, it is believed, burned the source, which is such a a betrayal. But it's why I mean, I would never, I would never trust a lib journo with anything sensitive. Just as a private citizen, never mind me as Buck Sexton, right wing maniac. Uh, I would never trust a Lib Journal with anything sensitive because I don't think that they have any real sense of ethics in the era of Trump. I really do believe that they think that their journalistic imperative is to do whatever they can to damage Trump. And if that means that they abandon some very important, uh, some very important aspects of being a journalist, they're willing to do it. And I, I think you're going to see some. So this was a a more minor one, but I think you will see um, because this was apparently off the record conversation and this Washington Post reporter decided to write it anyway. Well, if somebody says we're talking off the record, though, the the whole game in D.C. is that you're supposed to respect that. But it looks like in this case, the guy said, no, I'm I'm just going to do it. It doesn't matter that uh, somebody might suffer the consequences for speaking for for trusting. This is what happened. You trust a lib, your job may be forfeit. You trust a lib with information and I, I don't know what the information was and because I did find it surprising this this uh, young woman who was the uh the president's close personal assistant, she was considered a very trusted member of the president's inner circle. So, I don't know if she had been if she was really a, a leaker for quite some time, but for her to be somebody that that got got caught up in this just goes to show you man you never know and there are more brother. there are more people around the president who clearly are willing to speak to reporters if it will really embarrass trump or you know i just i I, anyway, I just can't imagine speaking to a washington post reporter about this president and thinking that you can trust that reporter you can't trust any of them i don't trust any of them.
5: we're really losing our moral high ground I say this in committee hearings, I say this at every single speech. It doesn't make any sense for us to be committing these kind of human rights violations, to have these policies in the way that we interact with migrants and asylum seekers. If we want to continue to be the kind of country that condemns countries in Africa or Asia or Latin American countries for its treatment of refugees and asylum seekers. So we should do what any other country does by dealing with this situation in a serious way. So we have to bring in the United Nations High Commissioner on Refugees.
1: U.N. High Commissioner on Refugees at our southern border. That's what Ilhan Omar wants. You know, I started in this business working for my my friend and and former mentor, uh, Glenn Beck. And, uh, you know, he used to talk about Agenda 21 and the United Nations uh, globalist program and the internationalist left and how they wanted one world government. And these were all consistent themes that Glenn would discuss. It's a real thing, folks. There really are people who believe that we should cede not just some parts of our legal sovereignty. We should cede national, physical, territorial sovereignty to United Nations whim. The same United Nations that is constantly uh, dumping on Israel uh, more than any other country. I mean, what else do you have to know? I've been to Israel. I've been to a lot of other places, too. Israel's a nice country with nice people. There are other countries that the people are nice, but the country's not so nice. And the U.N. spends so much of its time and energy and, and diplomatic muscle, such as it is, just defaming Israel at every, at every chance. That same United Nations is going to be telling us what we do with refugees at our border? Keep in mind, friends, we are, we are the prime funder of the united nations and there are a lot of countries all over the world that say sorry we're not taking in any refugees we take in and make a million new americans every year every year a million people become either permanent residents or citizens that is massive it's bigger than any other country No one else does what we do. No one else takes in as many people from the rest of the world as we do. And yet, we're told that we are xenophobes. She says things like, we are losing the moral high ground. Yeah, Ilhan Omar does not appreciate this country. All she does is trash America. It's old. It's annoying. I'm sick of it. People that are standing up all the time, oh, Ilhan Omar is such a... It's such a, a great thing for America and for Congress. Why? What is the Ilhan Omar idea that would make this a better country? Just, I, I think we would have to spend all of our time apologizing for racism, apologizing for not being multicultural enough, not being diverse enough, socialist enough. I don't want to spend all of America's time thinking about these things. We have problems to face. We have challenges to overcome. We don't need the whining brigade to always be telling us that Americans are not kind enough, not uh, charitable enough. This is what we hear, though. This is what Ilhan Omar says. It's This is not a one-off. This is continuous. The left derives a particular pride in just putting America down. This is it's a constant theme and bringing in the united states She's talking about human rights violations uh what are the what are the human rights violations exactly are we not allowed to detain people who enter the country illegally because if we can't detain them then we have it that is an open border a absolutely all out open border no question about it so if we can't detain people for entering illegally then we have an open border so what are we supposed to do right if i tell you That, yes, you own property. Yes, your front lawn is yours. But anybody who wants to can walk across it, can camp out on it. They're not hurting you. They're not doing anything bad. They're just going to be there for a few days. And if you call the police and say, I've got people trespassing. And the police said, yeah, but they're not, you know, they really need to be in your lawn right now. They're in a tough spot. Then you don't have property rights anymore. Well, there's a similar there's a similar reality at work here with. The U.S. government. If we can't establish who comes and who goes and what is control on U.S. land, then guess what? We don't really have a country anymore. And nobody, nobody ever grapples in this whole Biden, Ilhan Omar, Castro, all these Democrats grapples with the big change between now and pre 1960s levels of both legal and illegal immigration We didn't have some big welfare state, which wasn't only it's a particular magnet now, that's for sure. But also, it's not sustainable. We're not going to be able to sustain the entitlement programs we have, especially when you start adding on to the roles of illegal aliens who are going to be getting Medicare and Medicaid. They haven't been paying into that. People always say, oh, they they pay taxes. Uh, Unlikely. They pay some taxes, but they don't file for federal income taxes. And generally speaking, if they did, they'd get money back from the government because they don't make enough money to to even pay. But we're told they're net contributors. Well, they may be contributing in certain ways right now to the economy. But keep in mind that over the long run, there are going to be expectations of health care, housing, food, all kinds of things that will be paid for by the taxpayer. You cannot have, Milton Friedman said it, you cannot have open borders and a welfare state, but that is where we are headed right now. And Ilhan Omar goes so far as to say that we should put the United Nations in charge. United Nations is a bunch of international buffoons who can't stop or do much of anything. They sit on the sidelines and watch terrible things happen all over the world. I mean, the UN Security Council alone has a record of just embarrassing failure in preventing stuff from getting really bad uh, in countries all over the world. I mean, the U.N. U.N. uh, U.N. High Commissioner on on Refugees, you know, I I went to the refugee camps at Zaatari in Syria to see Syrian. And those are real refugees, by the way. They were fleeing because they were all about to get murdered and they knew it. So they weren't refugees who were showing up saying, yeah, I think that the, I'm meeting my cousin across the border and there, there might be a good job for me in this town where I could do some some day laboring or something. That's not. These are people saying my neighbors were all executed by the you know Shabiha, by the mali- uh, militias uh, of Bashar al-Assad. And so if we didn't leave, we were going to get executed. I spoke to those people. I was in those refugee camps. They were living in tents in the desert in 110 degree heat and they were they were thankful for their lives they were not sitting there demanding that the Jordanian government which had provided safe harbor for them give them you know jobs and and uh, housing and you know food and all this stuff on a permanent basis and no one's wagging a finger at Jordan saying oh you guys are you guys are bad you 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 didn't do enough outrageous really is just no gratitude one of the big problems that that america has in the world is the world isn't grateful enough for us it's just true the rest of the world isn't grateful enough uh, for america and the united nations in particular should just walk around saying thank you america for making it possible for there to be a u.n this is his standard go-to. This is what he knows is absolute red meat to his base. It's what gets them riled up and keeps them distracted from the
4: fact that uh, more and more economists are telling us that we may be headed into a recession.
1: Putting Donald Trump in the Oval Office is, may well wreck the American economy. Uh, you know, These trade wars that he's engaging in with China are costing people jobs in Iowa and other places. So yeah, I mean, this is his old standby. That's right. Trump is going to wreck the economy, Julian Castro uh, says here. But we're supposed to ignore what the economy actually is. Uh, You're going to this is going to keep on going, right? Because it's the only deflection. It's the only technique they have. Try to fear monger around how one day Trump is going to wake up and be terror and be a terrible steward of the American economy. One. Look, it is also true. And I tell you the truth here on the show that the uh, reality of presidents in the economy is that they get more credit for a good economy than, than they deserve and they get more blame for a bad economy than they deserve. That's that's a, a cliche or a maxim or whatever you want to call it. And it's a it's accurate, though. You know, cliches are often cliches for a reason. This is like I'm also trying to get everybody to stop saying a slippery slope is a logical fallacy. No, slopes are, in fact, slippery. <laughs> this is people just go slippery slope is a bad argument. Uh-uh. Whoever this this is a thing that people need to stop saying. This is not true. A slope does in fact have a it does in fact have a likely outcome and, and is creating a momentum and, and putting pressure, downward pressure on things. It's not Oh, it's just on a slope, but it's not going anywhere. Anyway, people say this stuff all the time. Um but yes, I mean I, I really do think that Julian Castro will be out soon. I hope he'll be out soon, but he's not on a policy level that beyond the Democrat mainstream these days. I'm not sure you could say he's really that much crazier than many of the rest of the candidates out there. I mean, he's, he's certainly boring when he talks about why uh, Trump, is, Trump is so crude. I mean, this is a president that in so many different ways uh, not only has been mean-spirited and, uh, you know, unnecessarily crude and nasty
0: and you know embarrassment but also has been very incompetent
1: how castro give us a how in what way this reminds me of the lies this reminds me of all the there are all these charges you know of calling him a racist saying that he lies and then i say well based on what oh he's a russian stooge based on what but it doesn't matter see this is propaganda is supposed to work For the left in this way, that people think that they merely have to say the thing and then the thing is basically true. It doesn't really matter anymore whether there's accuracy underneath it or not. The mere repetition of the slogan, the mere repetition of the talking point becomes proof of its veracity. Which is why the mainstream media narrative creation machine is still so powerful and something that we need to fight back against. Because if we allow them, they'll just manage to say, you know, it's just like advertising. You know, you sit you sit down and you think to yourself, what are the, you know, give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that, 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 that. You know, you hear these things and the first time you hear it, the second time you hear it, maybe you don't even notice it. But then all of a sudden, a month or two will pass and, You've heard it enough times and you're humming it to yourself and you're in the store and you're like, maybe I want a Kit Kat bar. Right. That's that's the power of advertising and the power of propaganda in a political sense is that, look, it even happens to me sometimes where I'll say to you, uh, you know, I'll say, yeah, you know, this guy's undocumented. I go, nope, nope, nope. Don't say undocumented. That is not the correct term. But that's just what happens when you hear it enough, when you hear enough people saying it. It will seep into your brain and you will think, oh, maybe maybe I need to do the same. Maybe I, that's and you won't even th- it, it can be subconscious. You'll just find yourself saying undocumented, uh, which I, I try very hard to avoid, avoid saying. Um, by the way, I, I spoke to you about the, the craziness of the left these days. You know, J- Joe Biden, I, I stand behind my initial analysis and I think I'm going to look very prescient when all is said and done here. It's not going to be Biden. It's just not realistic that it could be Biden in the end based on who Joe Biden is. I don't care what the polls are. I shouldn't say it's not realistic. It's not. Well, I don't know. I just my gut's telling me he can't make it. All right. So maybe my gut's wrong, but my gut's telling me he can't make it. And he says things like this in part to appeal to the far left radical base but just more generally because i think this is where the democratic party has gone i'm not sure anymore that what joe biden's about to say here i don't think you could claim that it is a radical position i think this is now the democrat position which is why joe biden will say it
5: like what would you do to improve
0: and help the questions reunite with their families close them down The fact that you decided we finally got things under control, we thought said that if you had said you have to report back for a hearing on such and such a date, people show up.
1: Nope. That's not true. They, they they keep saying this is another moment of propaganda. Why would why would people show up when they're already in the country and they have no realistic chance of getting asylum? And there is the will to deport them if they show up and they don't get asylum? Why would they do that? they're not going to do and they haven't been doing it but this is this reminds me of you know I had a little a little twitter debate with a Soledad O'Brien and I said uh, okay it, or rather she said that these people are just seeking asylum they're not breaking the law and then I responded to her no no they're breaking the law because even if you turn yourself in at the border not at a port of entry you are crossing illegally you must cross at a port of entry because that's where the US government has control and establishes its sovereignty right so they're breaking the law that's step one but then on step two she was saying oh well they show up and i said well no according to immigrations and customs enforcement a vast majority of them do not show up they do not show up for their hearings and why would they remember folks none of them are going to get asylum There has not been some big spike in violence in these countries where all of a sudden there are people that have to flee because otherwise their lives will be forfeit. They just found out through word of mouth through the cartels too. the cartels are making hundreds of millions of dollars off of this. They found out that this is the easy way to get into the country now. Skip the whole immigration process and you are good to go. And there'll probably be an eventual Democrat amnesty. They know that, too. They know that. Meanwhile, what are the Democrat candidates for office saying? Shut down these detention uh, facilities. Let them all into the interior of the United States. Just tell them all that they got to show up. You know, they're talking about some pilot program. We don't have the resources for some monitoring pilot program for hundreds of thousands of people that are let into the United States. What 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 you know what happens when they don't show up and then we try to track them down say, "Hey, you didn't show up for the pilot program." Then they're going to say, why are you so mean? They're just in the country seeking asylum. Why are you such an awful person? It's what Democrats do. Always moving the goalposts. Always acting in bad faith. Biden says shut down the detention centers. AOC calls them concentration camps. The amount of abuse from elected officials and from the mainstream media that our Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement has been subjected to, it is unconscionable. They're doing a very important and very difficult job. They're enforcing laws on our behalf. And they're just treated like garbage by these Democrats. Garbage. It's horrible. It really is. But, you know, this is what you when you're dealing with Democrats, you're dealing with people that will play the game dirty. That's what
0: they do. Kaylee McEnany, do you believe this president has ever lied to the American no, people? No,
3: I don't believe the president <laughs> wow. has lied. I believe the fake news media. Do you, you believe the blew fake blew my news IFB media right out of my head. Do you believe in fake news media? Has Interview's lied?
0: over Kaylee please the if you can't admit that this president has lied to president. the American people, you will not the have credibility news with the audience media lies you've got that's a long way, way to go Kaylee look listen when a president is telling the American people every day not to believe in a free press that they're the enemy of the state he and he lies about the allies at G7 saying, any, saying any, what we really want to know is history. why your media hates the country. He is he, to blame for sowing the seeds of division. Forty-minute
3: press avail and he lies in ninety-degree weather. That, so what? The president gives access, and you lie about everything he says, and take him out of context. I have and the never people are frustrated. lied
0: about this president in frustrated. my life. You may not like what I say, that doesn't make it a lie. He lies. All the time, and you know it. Go and watch if you your don't last it, hour. They Taking won't listen Stephanie to you Grisham as well.
3: Out of context and putting one story with another. You show me what I lied about. It seemed as if the president you sh- lied, you, and you lied and Stephanie lied. Show me was not lying
0: true. about this president, and I'll give you a prize. You admit the truth about him, I'll give you two prizes. But you're still welcome on the show. I don't although need you any may prizes have you may the hurt fake me. news media. You may have hurt me tonight in inviting you back because if you can't admit that he lied, these people are never going to believe you about. I think you should take
3: a look in the mirror,
0: I do, and I don't like these lines, but I do like that I don't lie to my audience every
1: damn chance I get. Wow, so much journalism there from Chris Cuomo, who is an objective journo, he says, right? That's what we're told. That's what the story is. He's an objective, an honest broker, an honest player in this whole process. Not somebody who, oh no, uh-uh. Somebody who's doing an opinion. He's not, that's not opinion. He's just talking over his guest, who is my friend, Kayleigh McEnany from the RNC, where she's a spokesman. Oh, no, no, no. He's hes not just steamrolling her. Look at all the obsession they have with getting people to admit that trump uh, Trump lies. Let's start with this, folks. Pretty much everybody lies. Now, that doesn't mean that all lies are okay, but this is where you have to get into context and you have to get into a question of scale right so does he lie about what is the really i always ask what is the really important lie that president trump has told a lie along the lines of if you like your health care plan you can keep your health care plan which was essential to selling the signature legislative action of all eight years of obama where's the lie that's like that Whenever they say, oh, the president lied, usually it's an exaggeration or it's him changing his mind or changing what he said about something minor or it's him, you know, overselling. Where is the lie? Uh, you know, that that really matters to people. I'm not saying that the president hasn't fibbed. Of course, the president is fibbed. This is why people behind closed doors under oath have been like, yeah, this president fibs sometimes. But guess what? All, all politicians fib. fib doesn't mean that you can't call them out for it. But the, see, the obsession that liberals have with the president's a liar is similar to their obsession with climate change. It's the president is a liar, isn't he? They want you to admit that. And then, OK, well, then everything he says is cra- crap and, you know, everything you say in his defense is meaning. He's a liar. He's a liar. They're just trying to tag him with a word that is used as a club to shut down everything else. They don't there's no nuance. There's no effort to try and balance out well is he lying about important things what exactly is he lying about but yeah that's uh that's what you have with Kaylee McEnany going up against Chris Cuomo good for Kaylee by the way for not backing down getting feisty up there Kaylee's great uh I remember we we used to do real news at the blaze together back in 2012 maybe I mean we're going way back um, I, I remember hanging out with Kaylee when she was just getting started, and uh, she's a, a great gal. You know, Qu- Cuomo's allowed to do what he wants on his show. I just think it's funny that this guy, bro Cuomo, do you even live, bro? When I see you down at the shore, have you even been taking your creatine? Mark, do we think Cuomo's been taking his creatine? I hope so. I hope so, too. Hey, creatine's legal. Apparently creatine's actually pretty effective. I don't know. I've never, I've never taken any of this stuff. What I need to take is consistency in working out. Um, Anyway, so you got Cuomo there, bro Cuomo, clashing with my friend Kaylee, and then Don Lemon. Don Lemon decides to uh, get a little little bit snippy with uh, Chris Cuomo, sort of, not really. He's really just getting snippy with Kaylee after she's no longer on the air about how, oh, at CNN... You shouldn't even have these pro-Trump people on. This is how they really think about things. This is their, their real approach. Been Coming on a major
0: network you. like a CNN, it is a privilege. It is not a right. It has nothing to do with freedom of speech, speech or freedom of expression. It is a privilege to come on to be able to talk directly to the American people. And if you have that privilege, then you should... Respect the American people and the host of that show and the platform and the company, the brand, enough to come on and tell the truth. And if your candidate doesn't tell the truth, you can say, listen, I can't answer for that. I don't know why, but this is where what i think he said or who should say but you just can't. nobody say, does that, he doesn't like lie it. he doesn't lie this he doesn't has lie, been he exaggerated lie. but you've never had a spokesperson for a campaign come on here and say if their candidate did something wrong or lied about something and they shouldn't have done it well we've had we we've they had don't do it supporters. this guy didn't start it he's enhancing it and he's <laughs> using it a new way but this is he's why they recognize our it. shows he's done perfecting it he's you won't weaponized. have them on. i will that's why they need us both <laughs> it's a full <laughs> employment plan
1: yep that's uh, they did stumble into a little bit of truth there with yeah this is what spokespersons do they they spin that is the job they're trying to find the best possible messaging uh to share with with the audience on any given subject matter and they're not there to bend the knee to what the other side wants that's not what they're supposed to do but you know they people just forget about all this stuff oh oh my um we have uh, much more coming up team i'll be uh Joined by the one and only Judge Janine, coming up in the next hour, she's she's calling in from whatever fancy place. I gotta hang out with like the Judge Janine squad because she goes to nice places. Judge Janine is is hooked up. She's connected. Uh, but yeah, so she's gonna call and talk about her new book, which is out right now. We're also gonna discuss. Oh, that's right, how the left loves to use children as policy human shields, right? They put them forward and oh if you if you disagree with this talking point, why are you being so mean to the children? Well why are you using kids to make complicated political arguments? You know, I, I don't think that America would listen to a ten year old tell them how to coach an NFL football team. I know and that would be if you had ten year olds telling people on TV how to coach professional sports teams They'd get pats on the head and be told, "Oh, that's so cute." But if you don't listen to ten-year-olds about gun control or climate change, why are you den- why are you denying children the right to a voice, sir? Why are you so terrible? Well, I, I like to listen to people who know what they're talking about. Uh, you know, I was a very very uh, well-read twelve-year-old. I didn't know squat about anything, but I did know that I didn't know squat about anything really, and I certainly wouldn't have given lectures to the whole country. But that's coming up. I don't know what it is, but Libs love using kids to advance very complicated and contentious political uh, uh, agendas. They they really do. This is something I've seen it myself when I was walking around and looking at the March for Our Lives here in New York City. All these people with their their little children, like four or five-year-olds, holding up placards, you know, I want to live, Ban guns. It's like no one cares what your five-year-old says. This really does show you that there's, at the, at the root of the liberal mind and the, lib- and the liberal leftist project, it's really the leftist project, and I know I tried to never use the term liberal for the left, but then people didn't know what I was talking about sometimes. At, at the root of the leftist project is an emotionalism, Right, that if if it feels like you should be right, then you basically are right. If it feels like you have truth on your side, then you pretty much do. Doesn't matter what the facts are. Doesn't matter what anything else may be at any given time. And that's why it seems to me they are so very invested in propping up kids who, and, and you know, and I hate this because they they put children forward and they use them as as political human shields because they'll put a kid forward and they'll say oh we all have to listen to this child talk about you know whether the fed should raise rates or not they don't do it with that obviously but they might as well and then they put up some 10 year old you know i I believe that the yield curve uh, if we don't have a greater uh, reduction in rates uh, i mean these kids don't know anything they don't know anything about the fed that's why they don't talk about it but they don't know anything about guns or climate change or anything else and on climate change in particular this has become something of a fad. There is a, a movement afoot. How can you tell me that this is a serious, scientific, intellectually sound movement when you are putting forward children? I don't mean 22-year-olds and I'm saying, oh, look at those young you know, whippersnappers. I'm talking about actual kids, 10, 12, 14 years old. There's this group, I, I remember I had to sit in an interview with them at, uh, at the Hill called the Sunrise Movement. And I asked one of their main organizers, said, why do you think that we should listen to 12-year-olds explain their view of a very complicated scientific phenomenon? It's just, it's just meant to be, they're, they're a prop and it's emotional blackmail. Oh, you don't want to be mean to the kids and the kids want to have a future, so you better listen to them when they talk about climate change. Here's the uh, here's Lauren Malnus from the Sunrise Movement.
2: Yeah, we're totally past the point. We have 11 years to radically transform every sector of our economy. Um, And this is the really 2020 election is the last best chance to elect a president that will be able to do that meaningfully.
1: (sighs) That's right. It's all going to be over, folks. Totally past the point. We have 11 years to radically transform every sector of our economy. That is what... I'm, I'm not making that up. That is what she's saying. Radically transform every sector of our economy. This is, this is insane. How? Who's going to be in charge of this? Think about the failures, the repeated, the constant failures of government central planning of an economy. Why does that happen? Let's do a quick review, folks, as we're heading into... Essentially, you know, socialist Labor Day weekend here. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Uh, The reason that central planning fails is because the central planner can never can never substitute for all of the different data inputs, particularly price and supply and demand. But price is the that is what comes from supply and demand in action in the marketplace. If you know what price is in in different parts of a market, then you know how to supply it. What do people want? What do they need? What their preferences are? If you're going to then just extrapolate out based on your own whim, whatever there's going to be. You're going to make mistakes. Of course you are. You also don't leave room for uh, local improvisation, which is the thesis of the book, Seeing Like a State, that I've talked to you about before as well. When you have a top down, you know, if if you're the person who is giving orders on the battlefield, but you're 100 miles away from the battlefield and no officer on the field of battle can make any determination about where to send additional troops, where to send reinforcements and and ammunition and everything else. Are you going to have a better or worse chance of winning that fight? Right. Imagine a imagine a military structure where you have a general who's 100 miles away from the battlefield, who says, this is how we're going to line up. This is what we're going to do. And then every officer on that battlefield was told, doesn't matter what happens. Just keep doing this thing that I told you to do the day before the battle. That's really a microcosm of of how socialism works. And that's a microcosm of what would be the case if you had, under the Green New Deal insanity, uh, central planning of every aspect of our economy. That's what, that's what you would end up dealing with. Now, they put forward the Sunrise Movement, and I'm, I'm appalled. And the fact that journalists take these kids seriously. These kids, are, they don't know anything, okay? They don't know anything. They, com- they are completely lacking in knowledge, not just about the subject matter, but about life. All right, we're just trying to keep them from, you know, eating paint chips and spending too much time on their cell phones, right? I mean, they're 12. They're 10, Maybe you don't eat pain chips, pay chips when you're 10. I don't know when people stop doing that or why they ever do it. They've got uh, another one, though, Greta Thunberg from uh, uh, one of the Nordic countries. I forget which one who's made this big splash in America because she sailed across the ocean on a zero net emissions yacht. And now she do you have adults cheering for this? I think she's 12. Maybe she's 13. I mean, something like that cheering for her when she's telling us to make radical transformation of the economies.
5: It's strange, everyone always asks me about Donald Trump. (laughs)
0: Uh, But, I mean, my message for him is just, listen to the science and he obviously doesn't do that. So, I mean, I, as I always say to this question, if, if any, no one has been able to convince him about the climate crisis, the, the urgency, then why should I be able to do that? So I'm just going to to now focus on on spreading awareness and that people in general will start caring and realize how big of a crisis this
1: is. Now, I, I have nothing against this young girl. And my understanding is also, by the way, that she has. Uh, autism um uh, so she's she is on the autism spectrum and so anyone who criticizes her and doesn't know that is of course yelled at and it's and my criticism is not of her she's a young girl and she's getting a lot of attention a lot of adults are clapping for her and saying this is great my criticisms is of the idiot adults that use her as a prop and think that we should listen to her i wouldn't listen to a 12 year old tell me where i should hang you know Paintings in my house, never mind how we should order the entire global economy. This is simply intellectually indefensible. Do any journalists take that perspective? Do any journalists kind of ask her, hey, like, why should we listen to you? Because, you know, you're a young kid. You don't know anything. Oh, if you do that, you're you're negating children. You're being terrible. Why
4: Why don't you understand how awful it is that you're doing this to the children? And
1: then when you add on to it that she also has she's she's autistic then you're really a bad person meanwhile okay do i have to just sit here then and watch news media make fools of themselves by acting like this young girl knows something but the, you, where's the conservative equivalent you know we, we don't have 10 year olds running around saying you know i i just practiced firing my bazooka yesterday and i just love the second amendment and i don't know anything about guns but you know no we don't have 10 year olds do that Because it's an adult conversation. We have adults talking about the right to bear arms. We have a... What else do you have to... You don't have to know anything about climate change. All you have to know is that the movement takes kids repeating, chirping, talking points that they know nothing about as gospel. It's because they don't know anything. Team, I have somebody with us now to help kick off your Labor Day who needs no introduction, I'm sure, for all of you, but I'll give her one anyway. Judge Janine, who is, of course, host of her own show on Fox News. She has a new book out that all of you should go check out. It's on Amazon now. Radicals, Resistance, and Revenge. The left's plot to remake America. The one and only Judge Janine Pirro joins us now. Judge, thank you so much.
3: Well, it's my pleasure, Buck. And, uh, you know, I know I'm familiar with your work. You've been on my show, so I'm thrilled to be on your show.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So, Judge, uh, I know we got to get everybody off and and running for Labor Day weekend, but this is a great weekend to dive into your new book. Tell us what you wanted to convey. With the, I mean, you've written numerous books. What are you telling us about in this one? Why should people be out there reading it on the beach, by the pool, wherever they are?
3: Well, you know, when I wrote "Liars, Leakers, and Liberals," uh, it it made the uh, it made the New York Times bestsellers list, and I think that it really was because. It was a straight talking, no nonsense analysis of what was going on in the Department of Justice and the FBI. The corruption was unheard of. If it weren't for Donald Trump, we wouldn't have known about it. And then what I did, Buck, was I stepped back and I said, you know what? It's not just at the Department of Justice. It's not just at the FBI. There is a plot to remake America. And so I went very methodically, one by one, in the political spectrum, the ideological, the economic, uh, and I found that in addition to changing capitalism to socialism, uh, opening the border to immigrants, uh, you know, the idea of climate change, the New Green Deal, and, you know, ghosting conservatives, taking us off of Facebook and Twitter, denying us of our First Amendment, insisting on politically correct language, which is the same as censoring us. So uh it's happening to all of us. And then as you go and you look at what's going on around the country with things like the, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, abortion, where Ralph Northam, the governor from Virginia, who was in blackface, apologized for it and then denied it two days later. Um, you know, he says, well, the babies can be born and uh, alive and that will make it comfortable. And then we'll let the mother decide whether she should, uh, you know, what she wants to do, whether the baby should live. Well, you know what? That's not the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness that our forefathers talked about. And so they're upending the Constitution, our way of life. And when you look at what happened to Brett Kavanaugh, I mean, that guy's as close to a, uh, uh, an altar boy as anyone I've ever seen. And they're accusing him of gang rape. The left will not stop in their plot to remake America. They are radical. They are full of revenge for the election of Donald Trump. And uh, their whole message right now is to resist anything that we are doing, but also to change everything from the way it was.
1: Judge, you mentioned revenge, and that is one of the the three R's, if you will, on, on your book cover from the title. What we saw from James Comey and the Inspector General report earlier this week was that he very clearly was trying to even the score, a very personal score, with the President of the United States. And I've been asking the, the audience, why should we assume that that was the only time that Comey did that? And also, why wouldn't we think that Sally Yates and perhaps some of the others at very senior reaches of the FBI and the DOJ were thinking in terms of revenge against Trump for his 2016 victory? Do you think we're ever going to find out the full extent Of that corruption, and do you think that there's any way going forward we could stop it from happening again?
3: Well, I think the answer to your first question is yes. We will find out the extent of the corruption. That's number one. Number two is what we will do about it. Now, uh, Bill Barr decided he was not going to prosecute. Jim Comey, and I totally understand. I don't understand. I'm a prosecutor, judge, and the DA for 30 years. I ran for office five times, and he you say the word conviction, it's dear to my heart. Um, but I understand why he didn't. You cannot go forward with the first case against the, uh, the head of the FBI with a liberal jury in the District of Columbia and lose that case because they don't think it's a significant enough uh, violation that they want to go forward and convict James Comey. I think it was a smart move. The big case is going to happen when the uh, Department of Justice pursues the issue of FISA and the fraud that was committed on the FISA court uh, and the, the, the purchasing of the dossier paid for by Hillary Clinton. Uh, and money laundered through law firms and fusion GPS that a foreign agent used to spy on an American citizen to be able to go after Donald Trump. Now, if we don't do this, Buck, if we don't go after them, then we then are allowing this to continue, and then we're no better than a third world country.
1: Judge, the Democrats that are lining up against Trump, I can't think that there's uh, that there's a a, a majority of the of the American people who are going to vote for for any of them. How do you frame the 2020 election? I mean, because you're talking about in in your book, Radicals, Resistance and Revenge, some very troubling trends coming from the left, the left that seems increasingly to be the dominant ideological vanguard, if you will, of the Democratic Party. Uh, How do you frame 2020 in terms of? It's Trump or what?
3: Well, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, but I talk about it in my book, uh, Radicals, Resistance, and Revenge. I talk about the fact that, uh, you know, you've got this Democrat clown car, and one is worse than the other. I mean, you've got Joe Biden at any given day, he doesn't know what state he's in. Uh, and, you know, you've got, you've got all of them who want to give uh, Medicare, free Medicare, to illegals. And, you know, in California, they want to give it to illegals and make the citizens in California pay for it. They want to give free college education to illegals, but make American citizens pay for it. This We cannot survive like this. And the Democrats, I don't care who it is, they're not going to beat Donald Trump. He is too quick. He is too fast on his feet. He does not stop working. The guy, is he's the tip of the spear for us. And thank God for that. He does not tolerate the nonsense that they're trying to spew. And the economy is roaring. And now they're talking about socialism. They actually want to bring in socialism. So uh, the plot to remake America is one that is across the board. And if anything, book, if I can leave your listeners with, it is, you know, you can vote in 2020, obviously. But I want you to think about things like the school board and things like the local races, the local district attorney, because now we're getting DAs in who, you know, uh, who are socialists, the leading DAs who don't believe in prosecuting crime. Everybody can go out uh, on their uh, own recognizance, no bail, and, of course, they never come back. This is not the kind of America that is safe for everyone, and we've got to make sure that we resist what they have been pushing for the last two years since Donald Trump was elected.
1: The one and only Judge Jeanine Pirro, everybody. The book, it's just out this week, Radicals, Resistance, and Revenge. The Left's Plot to Remake America, available wherever fine books are sold, and also on Amazon.com. Judge Jeanine, thanks so much. Team, we'll be right back. The show ain't over yet, folks. <laughs> it's time for Roll Call. Yes, indeed, the roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. That's how we do roll call. That's how we roll into the call. Bam. Uh, Kicking you off right for your Labor Day weekend because that is how we do. That's how we get down. Caroline, sweet Caroline. I'm way too sober for that. Mark, which song comes on last in the bar? Living on a Prayer or Sweet Caroline? Which is the, like, the lights are about to come on, but you all get to sing one more time. Don't Stop Believing." I think you're right. I think, I think, I think choice C was the correct one there. Journey's Don't Stop Believing" is a timeless classic. All right, Caroline, who is also sweet, writes, Hey, Buck, you asked the team who we'd like for you to invite on the show. I would love to hear discussion between you and Ben Shapiro on a couple of topics. First off, the advisability of Trump using executive power to declare a state of emergency on the border crisis to achieve construction of the wall. I get the sense you are in favor of such a move. Such a move. Shapiro is against the idea. Secondly, the pull out of Syria. You are for it and he is against. I respect both of you and listen to each show regularly. I'd love to hear a head to head discussion on these topics. Thank you uh caroline i think that's sounds like a great idea to me um i asked ben once uh, over twitter if he wanted to talk about syria he didn't respond so he's a busy guy he's got a lot of stuff going on um i'll reach out again and see if he wants to have a chat at some point um but good recommendations to be sure marina hey marina really. I'm, I'm sorry it's a holiday weekend I've got most of my stuff moved into my apartment. I'm trying to get down and get, uh, get after it. OSS here. That's, for those who don't know, original Saturday Squad, because this show started as a little, a little Internet show on Saturdays for three hours, 12 to 3. And I would show up, and I would have been just researching and thinking and prepping all week to do that three-hour show. And it was wild, man. We had some great shows. We had some really good stuff. I think Biden has such a lead because much of America doesn't pay close attention until after the primary. I think the Dems will help Biden waltz to the finish, but choose who his VP will be, knowing they will have uh, either Biden step down or force him to step down for medical reasons, placing his VP squarely into the top seat. His VP should be our biggest concern. Uh, Marina, I don't know. I think you might have been watching a little too much of that show Scandal. Where everyone just has like a big glass of red wine and all the ladies of America are like, oh my gosh, the president's so handsome, and it's just getting crazy today on Scandal. That's right, ladies. I know, you, I know, I know how you watch the Scandal. Giant glass of red wine in your hand. The uh, I think her name's Olivia Pope. That, not that I've watched it. Not that I have watched it. Settle down. I mean, I've seen it for purely cultural uh, cultural critique purposes. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Karen, right? Oh, wait, sorry, did I skip, uh, Marina? You, you asked, sorry, I did. Uh, Marina asked about whether the VP is the bigger concern, and to that I say, um, well, no, because no one votes for the VP. They vote for the top of the ticket, and there's no way that Biden, well, I mean, I, you know, you, here, here's how, okay, i i retract that marina here's how the vp on a biden ticket could become the bigger concern long term uh what if biden runs and promises to be a one-termer i i actually don't think that that's a crazy idea i i wouldn't be all that surprised if that happened um i i think it's very possible that biden could decide to be a one-termer because that would deal with a, a lot of his, a lot of his weaknesses are around the fact that he's old and he's old uh, and he's slow. And people also just say he's dumb. I don't know how totally fair that is one way or the other, but he certainly is not the, he is not the sharpest individual. That's, that's definitely fair. Uh, no, he's pretty dumb. Actually, let's, let's, if we're going to call it like it is. But the vice president becomes a much bigger issue if Biden says he's going to be a one-termer because then you would assume the VP will become the candidate for a a second uh, Democrat administration. But we'll see. Now we're just getting down into the weeds, making it up as we go along, all that stuff. Uh, Karen writes, how do you live in NYC without noise-canceling headphones? Karen, I have noise-canceling headphones. I have multiple white noise machines. I have a white noise app on my phone. Uh, you know, when in doubt, just blast some Beethoven because at least then the noise is filling your soul and your mind. You know, that's that's what I always say. Uh, Sometimes, sometimes I'm in a Mozart mood. Sometimes I'm in a Beethoven mood. And I I went through a phase where I was trying to, you know, producer Mark, I was trying to be a little bit fancier. I was like, oh, I'm I'm going to listen to, you know, Shostakovich, or I, I'm going to be more of a, uh, I don't know. I, a Haydn guy or something you know but Mozart and Beethoven just rock out the hardest of all the great composers
0: I totally agree there we go yeah.
1: we get we get producer mark to agree we know we're over the target
0: obviously you know? I'm not just agreeing with you I, I I listen to Beethoven all the time love classical music are you serious no Ah, oh, I'm come mocking on you. I thought you were with me I thought you were a millennial
1: I am a millennial. You like classical music. Yeah, I'm an old millennial. Though. Sound like my grandfather. I do have a couple of gray beard, uh, gray hairs, uh, gray beards, gray hairs in the beard. All right, so you don't like classical music. What do you listen to, Bruce or Mark? Honestly, my favorite band is Coldplay. Now you're messing with me again. I'm really not. You're messing with I'm me. I'm not again. messing with you. I swear. There's no way. To you. There's no way, dude. I swear. I mean, at least is it? Uh, do you like parachutes more than? Of course. The the new stuff, yeah. Yeah, look at you. The older stuff. Wow. My
0: first dance song at my wedding is going to be yellow.
1: Michael Bolton? <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, dude. Cool. Uh, you, I've learned some new things about producer Mark today, everybody. Steven. Let's see what Steven's got for us here. Steven Right. Hey, Buck, regarding the comparison of glaciers to ice in a glass, the difficulty is that a good number of the glaciers are on land. Not that I subscribe to any of the eco-nuttiness, but I hate to see poor arguments being made. Steven, that's what I thought, but I I didn't really know. I'm not a glacier expert, although a lot of people that seem to think they're glacier experts are not, in fact, experts in it. Uh, But yeah, that would make sense. So you'd have more water moving into the water from the landmass where it's above sea level. But I also look, I'm going to be worried about it when the Obamas sell their beachfront mansion because of climate change. Uh, that's when I'm concerned. Or when anybody sells their beachfront mansion because of climate change. You notice how no one ever does. No one ever does. Michelle writes, Dear Buck, uh, here we go. I am half Italian and half French which makes me an expert in this matter. I sense you made a mistake last week while talking about the French. You went on to describe your favorite Frenchman as having one of those uh, big, shiny mustaches with a hat and a striped shirt, and I suppose some uh, kind of scarf around his neck. I think you're mixing it up. For some reason, I believe you're recalling a gondolier on the watery ways of Venice. If I am wrong, I will mail you a gluten-free, all-butter pie of your choice, uh... It will be messy since it's Rocky getting travel there. Uh, Shields, let's see which one of us is right. Um, Michelle, P.S., you are right. (laughs) Okay. I remember some cartoon with Frenchmen dressed just like that. The hat is a beret, drunk, holding a bottle of wine, beating some other Frenchmen, dressed up exactly the same. Okay, you win. P.P.S., are you ever wrong? Michelle, no, I am not ever wrong. I do make mistakes, but I'm never wrong. I can go with that one. Here we go. Uh, Roy Right. I'll donate to your favorite charity. I'm leaving the East Coast after a year and a half of work in three days. I just listened to you to say you have left the swamp and moved back to New York City. I'm looking for a day of your time to show me the city. Let me know how much you're worth and if you're available, shields high, keep me safe and warm. Roy is very kind and I'm sure we'd have a great time, but my man, I am drowning in all kinds of, I spent so much of my day to day being a, an acoustic detective trying to find where the uh, motor screech of the HVAC system on a nearby roof to my building. And we went to the, we went to a building. I, I thought we nailed it. It was the wrong building. They turned off the HVAC uh, system on the roof and no change in the noise so now there's another building i got to go to but we got to get permission to get to that roof and it's just a constant it's a constant struggle man the struggle is real to have some peace and quiet in your you know gd apartment so i'm working on it uh but thank you roy for the invitation i wish you all the best kirk Buck, I almost crashed driving home. I facepalm so hard because the glaciers don't make sea levels rise when they melt, guy. Glaciers are not floating in the ocean like ice cubes in a glass. They are rivers of ice on land. Glaciers and icebergs are not the same thing. Somebody missed third grade science class. Well, you know, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I'm not sure that someone missed third grade science class, but I think your correction is, is correct. So, Yeah. There's that. That was why yesterday, I don't know, I was kind of, I was all caught up in my my Comey rage. Rage against the Comey. That's, that could have been a 90s band. It was an an alt-rock ripoff of Rage Against the Machine, except everybody's six foot eight, wears ill-fitting suits, and wants to constantly lecture you. Would you listen, producer Mark? I think I'd pass. All right, fair enough. Got to hit a quick pause here for more roll call coming your way. It's the way to kick off the weekend in just a moment. All right, here we go. We got uh, Tino who writes Hey, bud, just a reminder to tell all those lovely vegans out there Hitler was a vegan and suffered from very bad stomach problems from the lack of meat for the latter part of his life. Not sure if that's something they want to aspire to. Just a note Shields high. Oh, um, I do. I think Hitler was a vegetarian. I don't know if Hitler was a vegan. Vegan is a... Vegans are like the hardcore... They're like the antifa of vegetarians. They're the hardcore. You know, they won't even uh, get into... uh, They they won't get into drinking milk or honey or... Because honey is bee slavery. That's what I've... And and milking is is cow slavery. That's what they've said. Um, So... But nothing could ever be as crazy as what PETA said many years ago, which is that millions may have died in the Holocaust, but billions. This is a PETA quote, but, quote, billions of broiler chickens will die this year. That was something they that said. That, that set PETA back quite a ways. Quite a ways, as it should have. Graham writes, you mentioned again last night, like I said, try out some X-Files. It's perfect for turning off the mind and just enjoying some TV. You've spoken of Mind Mush TV before. No, X-Files sounds great, man. I, I need stuff, because I'm always thinking. One of my problems is I'm always thinking about what I'm going to say on this show. Like, I wake up in the, in the morning, I, I'm taking notes, I'm sending uh, sending emails to my team. Hey, we got to get this clip, we've got to get this guest. I'm just always, people ask how I prep for radio, and it's, it's all day long. It's a haphazard. I have a thought about something I want to talk to you about, and then I just jot it down and save it for later. Um, so, yeah. That's that's my answer to that. And as for uh, the X Files, I'll check it out. I think it'd probably be pretty good. Um, I I did get a little bit. I don't want to turn on turn in my man card here. I did like uh, Outlander for a little bit, but it's very it's very graphic. There's a lot of like torturing and excessive nudity and stuff. It's it's pretty intense. You know, those Scots, those guys, really. A little wild sometimes. Uh, Don writes, good evening, Buck. So the Democrats support third trimester abortion, but eating beef and fowl is wrong. Are we actually seeing the rise of paganism, which is from a revelation, biblical history, God help and God bless America. Testudo and Shields Hi. Um. Yeah, man. Um, libs are crazy. So you get no argument from me on any of that. That much is for sure uh let's see who is next in our mix it tim uh whoops no tim's asking me about Mescal. that was from yesterday hold on a second let's go to the unread the unread folder and here we go ranner writes hello buck i heard you talk about the book bad blood and elizabeth holmes i found this documentary on youtube and it was fascinating Uh, I don't know if that's the Alex Gibney documentary. Alex Gibney was the director of a documentary about Elizabeth Holmes. You can see on uh, Netflix, I think it was originally on HBO. I just would say that the documentary is not as good as the book. Uh, The book makes it much more clear how uh, how aggressive these fraudsters were most notably Elizabeth Holmes and her right-hand man slash boyfriend uh, how aggressive they were sunny was his name uh and how clearly just they were just lying the whole time and they fooled former secretary of state schultz they fooled uh general mattis i mean they fooled a lot of people into not just investing but vouching for personally vouching for elizabeth holmes's character And if you ever hear her in an interview, she does this very low voice. And if you look at her when she's talking, her eyes don't blink. And she's talking about changing medicine for the whole world. And you're like, you're a 24-year-old girl. No 24-year-old girl sounds like that. You do when you're changing medicine for the whole world. I I don't know how anybody... Was I mean? So many smart people were completely fooled by this, but it's amazing! It's amazing. I, I to this person, I thought I I wouldn't trust her. I wouldn't trust her with my house keys. Like I I don't know. I just it's crazy, crazy. Jeremy spoke into Buck. Uh, Jeremy writes, Buck. Glad to hear that climate change is causing AOC. To not reproduce, maybe we should burn more tires and switch to coal-powered cars to dissuade more Democrats from procreating. Shields high, Jeremy. Um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, we, well, let's be nice. Uh, what you're saying is she did say that she does not want there to be um, more children than are necessary because of climate change, which... What's the ne- what's what's the perfect amount of human beings on the planet? Can anyone tell you that? What is the perfect temperature? The perfect global temperature. Does anyone really know? These are these are very simple questions that never get asked. These are very straightforward things. Oh wait, we're out of time here. Team, I heart you all. You keep me safe and warm over Labor Day weekend. I'll be back next week to keep you safe and warm with the radio show. Shields high.